Welcome to Forging Plowshares, a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom of God. We hope this part of our ongoing conversation stimulates your mind and challenges your heart about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. Welcome to the class in Romans. Today we'll cover chapter 11. And really just saying a singular thing here that I don't think 11 is is complicated. We can complicate it if we are in some way trying to determine that there is a portion of Israel or that in some way we're trying to make Israel the church. And that's not what Paul's doing in this chapter. We just understand it's still, he's still talking about the universal sweep of salvation that really chapter 11, 32 is the answer to 914. And we might see then this whole section 9 to 11 as one singular argument. He raises the question in 9, is there injustice with God? And, And of course the answer is, well, no, there's not injustice with God. God shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. It's no different than what he said in chapter 5 about two kinds of humanity, the humanity found in the first Adam and the redemption of that humanity in the second Adam. So he, he raises the question, are the, the, they stumbled that they would fall, that they're permanently in the ditch? No, they did not stumble to fall, but that through their stubbornness or their error comes salvation. And Paul sees his own ministry as a kind of provoking the Jews to to envy. And so it's a temporary measure on the part of the Jews that they're hardening, and Paul is trying to answer this, his own question. He is the apostle to the Gentiles, but he's uh, trying to answer in his own mind, yes, but what about his own people? And his conclusion is, well, there's actually no distinction. He raised the question, you know, are there vessels of wrath that are destined for destruction? which will be the the Calvinist reform understanding that in some way they're going to take this as double predestination. And and that's part of the issue in chapter 11. If you're still determined in these chapters to find some that are the vessels of wrath, well, unfortunately, you're you're going to have to do a, a strange convoluted reading. The conclusion is all are bound in sin and all receive mercy. And so as Larry Hurtado argues with N.T. Wright, Wright tries to, in some way, distinguish between Israel of the flesh and Israel as the church, which in certainly some places you can do that, that Paul does talk about true Israel as, as being the church, that we're the true Jews. That's certainly his picture in Galatians, but that's not his point here. He is describing his own people. Hurtado's point is that he wouldn't in one verse, talk about a hardening of Israel and then shift the meaning in 11.25 to say, oh, well, here he, he in one verse is shifting the meaning of Israel. No, I don't think so. So Paul is describing that God is going to triumph over Jewish unbelief. He's going to secure the redemption of all. And this is a mystery. It's God's secret plan. How that is, I guess we, we don't know exactly. Paul doesn't know exactly. But we do know that it's through Christ, it's that it is through God's Son, 
that all nations are going to be. You know, it's a cosmic salvation. So the point here is not a fundamentalist or you know idea that in some way Israel is significant today, and we shouldn't extract that from these chapters. In fact, these chapters speak against that. So the the issue in this section, especially verse 26, is who is all Israel? You can try and to, in some way, distinguish out or sort out, but Paul's not doing that in this place. He's just saying that the people of Israel, the whole nation, that it is inclusive. It is universal and cosmic. So at this juncture, Paul is saying salvation is universal, all are saved. As I read it, he's not making any exception. This is a mystery. How is this going to work out? And of course, the issue here, if all people are saved, are we talking about an absolute universalism? Maybe, maybe not, but that's not the point here. In other words, if there are exceptions, and you can turn to other places in Scripture and see a a sorting out, obviously, but that's not Paul's present point. So one man's offense led to condemnation for all. This is his point in Romans 5. I think it's his point in Romans 9 to 11. So also one man's righteousness led to justification and to life for all. And the all here, the pleroma, the fullness, you know, in a Reformed tradition, and in fact, not just the Reformed tradition, they're going to in some way try to nuance that or qualify that. I don't think we need to qualify it that God has shut up all in disobedience that, so that he might have mercy in all, including the vessels of wrath. So you might read Paul's question in chapter 9, has God created vessels of wrath for destruction? What if he has? He's raised the question. It's not a conclusion. And I think the answer is that in his discussion, you know, he goes through that Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. He's quoting from Malachi in which Jacob is the type of Israel, and Esau the type of Edom. And so for God's ends, he he does choose and elect, but choose and elect to what end? That he can have mercy, and that mercy is going to be extended to all. And so he, he has mercy upon you whom he will. So even Esau is not finally rejected. We see that the two brothers are reconciled, and Jacob says about his own brother, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. You could read all of Old Testament history, and this is Old Testament history, that it seems to go against the law that, you know, that Esau is the older son, uh, that in that Joseph and his brothers, Joseph's not the, the one that is supposed to be elect. And so what we see continually happening is God is choosing the younger, that God is going over and against law or his own, uh, what apparently is the system in Israel, in order that Jacob is chosen, but Esau too is brought in. Joseph is chosen, yes, but all the brothers are brought in. The same thing here with Christ, that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference. The believing remnant of Israel are elected that through them all Israel will be saved. That is, they are not identical with the saved. They are the part that makes the totality holy. So part of Israel is hardened until the full entirety, the fullness, the pleroma, enter in. It's not that they've been allowed to stumble and that they will just stay in the ditch and that they will fall. Paul says, no way, that there is a purpose in their stumbling. There is a purpose, and God is working out his purposes 
that they've been temporarily rejected for the world's reconciliation. They will undergo a restoration. They will undergo a resurrection from the dead. And so there is no division between the vessels of wrath and mercy. God has bound over everyone to disobedience, to show mercy to all. All are vessels of wrath so that all might be made vessels of mercy. You know, this is the strain of an Augustinian sense that you get filtered into the Reformed tradition is to claim that Paul's extravagant language, all, full, pleroma, entirety, the world, well, that doesn't really mean that, that that just means that some people are saved only in a kind of representative fashion. But, of course, that makes nonsense out of Paul's argument here that Paul is clear that those not called forth, those allowed to stumble, will never be allowed to fall. Now, if that creates a mystery for you, that's fine. That's what Paul is saying. There is a mystery here. Clearly, the argument here is that what Christ has done has cosmic implications. Is it the case that all are saved and some are not? Maybe. But at this point, the argument is, well, salvation is cosmic, and we may not be able to comprehend completely, but we can see the pattern. We'll next time go on to Romans chapter 12. Forging Plowshares is a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom by providing in-depth, transformative biblical and theological education and discipleship. If you have found this podcast valuable, please remember to share on social media. If you have questions about what you've heard, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can get involved with Forging Plowshares or even support this ministry financially, please visit our website, forgingplowshares.org. Thank you.